Are you ready for the word? All right. We've got 10 minutes left for me to do an hour and a half sermon. All right. No, no, no. We're going to be okay. Folks, Matthew chapter 26. I'll tell you what. Well, go ahead and get in verse 57-ish. And then look back at me for a moment if you would. What we're going to look at this morning is very fundamental and very foundational to our faith. Many of you already know this fundamental truth. Many of you, some of you, can even defend it biblically as well as I can, the same way that I would do it this morning. But the reason we're going to hit this is because, folks, it is so foundational, it is so fundamental to who we are as Christians, who we are as a Christian church, and it is such a missing element, and you'll see what I mean as we go through, in so much Christian life all over our nation today. I think so much of the power that seems to be missing from churches, this is one of those areas of vacuums, and I'll explain this in a moment. But what we're going to look at this morning is this understanding of who is Jesus? Is he God in the flesh or not? I mean, is he God with us or not? Who was, and by was, I mean when he was on the earth in the flesh, but he still is, of course. Who was? Who is Jesus the Christ? See, because what I'm going to be preaching on this morning is the deity of Jesus Christ, the biblical fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, the reason that's so important is because every single cult denies this truth. Islam denies that Jesus is God with us. The New Age denies that Jesus is God with us. The Masons deny that Jesus is the only way and God with us. The Mormons deny that Jesus is the literal and unique God with us. Jehovah Witnesses deny that Jesus is God in the flesh. In fact, they make that their whole purpose in life is to deny the deity of Jesus Christ. That's basically the foundation of their whole religious system. Evolution. Denies that God even exists and mocks and laughs and scoffs at people who believe that Jesus is the Christ or that He is God with us, that He is the Savior of the world. I mean, I, I can go on and on. Hinduism denies, doesn't even speak about Jesus. Buddhism doesn't even speak about Jesus. Uh, Confucianism denies the deity of Jesus. And I mean, I can just go, all the religious systems of the world seem to have at their foundational core this denial that Jesus is the Christ. That ought to be a clue to us. 2,000 religious systems in the world, and it seems like if you dig down to the bottom of it, there are two common denominators among all of them. Number one, 1,999 religious systems. See, one of them is Christianity, so we're going to leave that aside. 1,999 religious systems have two foundational fundamentals. Number one, you can work your way to some kind of heaven through a system of rules and regulations and being one of us. Number two, Jesus is a bunch of junk. That's the two foundational principles. I'm telling you. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why are there 1,999 religious systems that say Jesus is a bunch of junk? Why, why, why that? Have you ever wondered, why is it that Jesus' name is the only name used as a cuss word in the whole world? You, know, you watch a movie and you hear Jesus Christ. You never hear Allah. <laughs> Am I right? You hear, oh, Christ. Oh, Lord. Jesus Christ. You never hear, oh, Buddha. Or Mohammed. Do you? See, it's funny, isn't it? See, you can take the name Jesus Christ and you can say it holy and reverently. 
there's power in it, or you can kind of curl your nose up and put the emphasis, Jesus Christ, and then it becomes a cuss word. Hollywood loves using it that way. A lot of people love using it that way. That ought to be another clue to us. If Hollywood hates it, it must be true. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, there's the proof that Jesus is God, right? <laughs> if Hollywood denies it, every, you know. No, but, but truly, that ought to be a clue. If the whole world, the whole world hates the name of Jesus, the media will use his name flippantly. Entertainment world will use his name flippantly. Comedians will use his name flippantly and ugly. People, when they get mad, will use his name. They'll take the name of God and add a cuss word to it and use it. You know, again, you never hear Allah used that way. Or any other God, little g of the world. It's only the God of the word. The word here, Yahweh or Yeshua or in English, Jesus the Christ, God with us. Folks, that ought to be a clue. I'm going to tell you why it's a clue. Because Satan knows who God in the flesh is. He knows the only name that carries real power and healing and salvation. He knows the only name that can heal. He knows the only name that can bring peace. He knows the only name that can bring one's soul into heaven. And if you can take that name and degrade it and destroy it and deny the deity of it, then he can discourage and lead many to hell. Now I'm telling you folks, just common sense, if you'll think about it commonsensically, it ought to tell us there is something to this name of Jesus. Otherwise, why would the whole world systems seem to be bent on trashing that name? That's one clue. So this morning, we're going to ask the question, was Jesus really God in the flesh? Now, I can ask that at Hickory Hammock, and everybody say, well, amen, of course He is, of course He was, yes, amen. But let's go a little deeper than that. Well, now, wait a minute. Does the Bible say that He was God in the flesh? Did Jesus ever claim to be God in the flesh? See, that's funny. When you talk to a Jehovah Witness, and I've talked to a lot of them over the years, they will come right out and say, you know, the Bible, Jesus never claimed to be God in the flesh. He never, he never even claimed that. You, you Christians are stupid. Jesus never claimed it. Why do you claim it? He didn't claim it. Well, really? You're going to have your eyes open this morning. What, what did Jesus' enemies think that he was claiming? And then you've got to ask the question, so what if he claimed it? I mean, I can claim to be God in the flesh this morning, and then you have to make a decision about it. So, so even if he did, so what? I mean, are those fair questions to ask? Does the Bible even claim that Jesus is God? Did Jesus even claim it? Did his enemies think that he claimed that? And even if the answer is yes, yes, and yes, then you still got to ask the question, so what? I mean, so what if he claimed to be God? There are people in prison right here that think they're God. <laughs> I mean, you know, I worked in the prison system years ago, and some of you guys still do. You've seen guys come up to the bar, they'll tell you, you know, there's some crazy folks. So, so, so what if some guy lived 2,000 years ago, claimed to be God in the flesh? What difference does that make? Are those fair questions? Okay, yeah, I've only got five people that are with me. Are those pretty fair questions? All right, now here's where we're going to go this morning. Follow me, and let's see what God does. Now, for those of you that are born-again believers and students of the Word, 
for a lot of you, this is going to be a refresher. Hopefully, I'm putting it together systematically for you so that you will know how to witness, know how to minister, how to defend. This is called apologetic preaching. The word apologetic there does not mean apologizing for, but it means in defense of. It's apologetic preaching, in defense of a doctrine. And so for those of you that are great students of the Word, hopefully this will help you do that systematically. Others of you are newer in the faith, newer in the Word. This will help you solidify and understand this. You will be able to speak intelligently about it with people who who deny this. And I'm telling you, if you talk to anybody of any other religious system other than biblical Christianity, they're going to go to this. They're going to go to the deity of Jesus and how stupid you are for believing it. So hopefully you will have a complete understanding of it this morning. And then my greatest prayer is that there's somebody here this morning that has never given their life to Jesus. You've never followed him in believer's baptism. You've never surrendered your life to the Lord. But after hearing this and seeing this this morning, you're going to say, oh my goodness, I must bow my knee to Jesus Christ the Lord. And I pray that today would be the day of your salvation. So over the next 15, 20 minutes, listen quickly, listen carefully to what I'm going to say, and let's see what God speaks to our hearts this morning. Let's go right to Matthew 26, verse 57. The context is this. We're in the last few hours of Jesus' life. He has been illegally arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has been illegally brought to Caiaphas' house in the middle of the night. He is in an illegal trial by all the rules of the Jews and even the Romans. And here he stands... And Caiaphas and the accusers of the Sanhedrin council are accusing him of things and asking him questions. And here's where the text goes. Verse 57. Now those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses did come forward. And finally two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. See, that's why God didn't make me his son. Because I couldn't have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I'd have had to say something right there. But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus answered, Yes. It is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He's spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He is worthy of death. And then they spit in his face, struck him with their fist. Others slapped him and said, Okay, prophesy to us, Christ. Now, who hit you? All right, y'all look at me for a moment. Keep your Bibles open there. Do you see what happens here? The final moments of Jesus' life, he's drugged before this council, Caiaphas, a high priest, and they begin asking him questions and they begin making charges and accusations against him. None of them are sticking. They can't even get the witnesses to agree. They finally resort to bringing in false witnesses, which was against their own law. As a matter of fact, carried the death penalty if, you could, if somebody could prove that you were the one that brought in the false witnesses. Isn't it interesting that Caiaphas is the one that deserved to die that day? He's the one that brought in the false witnesses, which was against their own law. He was the high priest. But the real high priest was standing before him. And they decided in their guilt to put him to death rather than themselves. 
He remained silent. Now this is interesting, folks. Because when somebody says to me, Jesus never claimed to be God in the flesh, like a Jehovah Witness, and I'm not trying to pick on Jehovah Witness, but they're real big on this, y'all. And you can go to other religious systems, but Jesus never even claimed to be God in the flesh. My question that I ask next, and it always causes their jaw to drop on the floor because they don't know how to answer it. I, truly, I've not had one answer it biblically yet. Jesus never claimed to be God in the flesh. My next question is, really, then why was He crucified? You just read it. Why was He crucified? Now, now don't, don't, you know, I would say to this Jehovah Witness or whoever, now don't show your biblical ignorance by saying because He claimed to be the Christ, because that's the Hebrew terminology for God who was going to put on flesh and live on the earth. Okay? And we'll talk about that in a moment. Why was He crucified? Was He crucified because He robbed a Tom Thumb? No, doesn't say that. Was He crucified because He murdered somebody? Uh -uh. Was He crucified because He was a burglar? A thief? A liar? A pervert? Nope. He was crucified for one reason only. Caiaphas gave the charge, this is blasphemy. Look up blasphemy in the American Heritage Dictionary. The definition is claiming equality with God. That's definition number two. I've got definition number one, but it's very similar to that. One of the two or three definitions of blasphemy is claiming equality to be equal with God. If I stood up here in this pulpit this morning and said, folks, I know y'all think I'm Pastor Brother Carl and all that, but, but really I'm, I'm God in the flesh. <laughs> See, a bunch of you would say, now he just blasphemed. Well, what do you mean by that? I, I just claim to be God and I'm obviously not. See, that's blasphemy for me to do that. Okay, That's what Jesus was crucified for. What? Blasphemy. What is blasphemy? He claimed to be God. How did he do that? Well, we miss something in the interpretation 2,000 years later, Greek translated into English, actually Hebrew, Aramaic, spoken into Greek, written in Greek, translated into English 2,000 years, where, he, where Caiaphas asked, tell us, are you the Christ? Now, here's what led up to that. They're bringing in witnesses. They're bringing in false witnesses. Nobody can agree on anything. Finally, Caiaphas is looking stupid. He knows that the whole thing is looking stupid. It's looking like the sham that it is. Jesus won't answer any questions. They're trying to trick him. You said you could rebuild the temple after three days. Did you say that? Did you mean that? Jesus stands there. He's silent. Caiaphas is getting madder and madder. He's fixing to have to let him go. They can't get anything to stick. And so finally Caiaphas, in just a last-ditch effort, and I don't think Caiaphas expected Jesus to answer the question. He hadn't answered anything else. Caiaphas asks him the question. Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? In the King James, tell us plainly, are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? Now, if you do it in the King James... With the same accent that's used in the Cecil B. DeMille's movies, it's this. Tell us plainly, art thou the Christ, the Son of the living God? That's how it's done. And that sounds a little more biblical, doesn't it? The Son of the living God. G-A-W-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D. God. Here's what he asked. Now, I'm going to paraphrase because the Bible doesn't say this, but it really does say this in its language. Here's what Caiaphas asked. You won't answer anything else. I'm going to ask you one more question. Be careful how you answer this. Now, tell us plainly. Are you God who's going to put on flesh and live with us like Zechariah 2.10 says, where God says, I myself will come and dwell among you, says the Lord. 
Are you the one that we're going to see as the Son of God, that is God with flesh like a man, God as a man? Are you the one that we're going to call the Christ, the Messiah? Are you the one who's coming from heaven who will show us God? Is that who you are? That's what Caiaphas asked him. That's what the term Christ and Messiah meant, see, 2,000 years ago in the Jewish world. Folks, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. Jesus hadn't risen from the tomb yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. The church hadn't been born yet. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. It was a thoroughly Jewish world in a Jewish court with a Jewish high priest. Jesus was a Jew. The Sanhedrin were Jewish. They asked him a Jewish question from the Jewish scriptures. Tell us, are you God who's going to put on flesh and dwell among us like all the prophecies say? Is that who you are? And Jesus said, yes. Yes. That's why Caiaphas tore his robes, pulled his hair and said, that is blasphemy. And inside he was thinking, yes, I finally got him. Man, he wouldn't answer those other questions. He's a fool. If he'd have answered those, it wouldn't have been so bad. But he answered this one. He said he was God. Now we can kill him. See, it amazes me when people say, well, see, Jesus never even claimed to be God. Well, what you're telling me is you've never read your Bible. <laughs> or if you have read it, you ain't got a clue what it means. What do you mean he never claimed to be God? Why was he crucified? The only reason he was crucified was because he stood before the religious leaders and said, I am the Christ. That's me. That's me. See, that also answers another perplexity in the Scriptures. Where for three years of Jesus' ministry, Jesus said things like this to His disciples, No man will take my life from me, but I will lay it down. But see, if you look at what really happened, it sure looks like they did take His life from Him. They snatched Him up, they arrested Him, they put Him in this trial, they beat Him, they whipped Him, they spit on Him, they drug Him out, they put a beam on His back, they drove spikes in His hands, they mocked Him, they drove a spear in His side. It looks to me like a band of vicious dogs took His life from Him. But yet for three years, Jesus said, nobody's going to do that. Ain't nobody taking my life from me. I'm going to lay it down. So how did that happen? With these words, yes, I am the Christ. He laid his life down. Because you see, folks, had he not answered that question, they would have had to let him go. Or had when Caiaphas got to that question and said, tell us, plain, tell us plainly, art thou the Christ, the Son of the living God? And had Jesus said, no. That's just some stuff my disciples have been saying. I've been trying to correct them. <laughs> I mean, God's given me some power, and I've made a few loaves of bread and some fish, I, and, you know, and I've calmed the sea and everything. And I, I mean, I've opened the eyes of a few blind people. I mean, I'm blessed, and, and I know God's given me some wisdom. I can preach and teach real good, I know. But I, I am not the Christ. <laughs> I am not the Messiah. If he had said that, Caiaphas would have had to let him go because they had nothing else on him. Nothing. But he didn't say any of that. He didn't even remain silent. He was waiting for that question. That was what he lived for. Was that question asked by those people at that place 
and at that time in his ministry. Why do you think for three years of ministry, whenever he would drive a demon out, and they would say, oh, son of God, son of David, don't put it through it, he'd say, Psh, shut up. Why do you think when he would heal somebody and they would say to him, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, and he would say, tell no one that. He had to wait for the precise time, the precise moment, when the Jewish religious leaders would ask him, are you the Christ? And Jesus could deliver himself to the cross and say, yes, I am. Here are my hands and feet. Crucify him! And Jesus must have prayed in his heart, Father, this is what I've come for. He just turned his life over. Did Jesus claim to be God? How about with his disciples in John chapter 14, right after he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Folks, that in and of itself, he's claiming to be God. If I said those things from this pulpit about me, you would say, that guy, he thinks he's God. <laughs> Jesus said that about himself, but better than that, in the next few verses, his disciples said, Lord, we've been with you all this time. Could you please now show us the Father? That's in John chapter 14. Show us the Father. Do you know what Jesus' bodacious answer was? Jesus said this. He looked at those disciples. He said, have I been with you so long and you still don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. How much clearer can you get? I mean, he's almost chastising them for the fact that they don't realize they're looking at the Father in the flesh, now in the flesh, not in his total glorified state in heaven, you know, in his Shekinah glory, but in the flesh, in the Christ, in the Son of Man, in the Son of God, in the Messiah. They're looking at the Father. He's done everything the Father could do, and he chastises them a little bit. He said, have I been with you so long now? I've done so much, and you still don't know? You don't know who I am? Why would you ask me to show you the Father? Don't you know? You're looking at Him. I wonder if His enemies knew that He was claiming to be God. Well, that's what He was crucified for, of course, yes. And, but I also think of John chapter 10, verse 28, 29, 30, and 31, where Jesus is talking. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life. And the next passage of Scripture said, At that the Jews picked up stones to stone him with. Jesus said, For which of my miracles do you stone me? You know what the, the Pharisees said? You can read it in John chapter 10, verse 30 and 31. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus said, For which of my miracles do you stone me? The Pharisees said, we do not stone you for any miracle, but we stone you because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Am I right, Chris Roper? Did I get it right? Because you're looking right at it, brother. Did I get it right? Is it verse 30 and 31? Did it Somewhere right in there? Okay. All right. Good deal. Thanks. And I didn't mean to pick on you, man. I wasn't trying to embarrass you, but I mean, when I see somebody just reading right there, you were probably reading Genesis or something, weren't you? Well, that's a boring sermon, baby. Let's look at Genesis over here. <laughs> Is that what you were doing? Huh? She says yes, you say no. Now, which is it, brother? Ah, come on now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll never do that again. I'll tell you what. I thought I was fixed to just make him look good. He was reading Genesis. He was, okay. All right. But that's what it says. <laughs> you, a mere man, claim to be God. He, they knew he was claiming to be God. Don't tell me Jesus never claimed to be God. 
You say, but does the Bible claim him to be God? Well, my goodness, let's look. Matthew chapter 1, verse 28, when it talks about Jesus being born, it says, and all this was done to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. And then the next verse says, which means God with us. So next time somebody asks you, who is Jesus? Say to them, Matthew 1, 28. Well, what's that? Go read Matthew 1, 28. That's who Jesus is. He's God with us in the flesh. In all of His glory as we see Him in heaven? No, but God with flesh on so that we can see Him. God with us. Well, the other places in the Bible that call Him God? Well, let's go to the Gospel of John, the first chapter, the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His, we saw His glory full of grace and truth as of the only begotten of the Father. Who's the Word? Who became flesh? Jesus. So you take the name Jesus, substitute it for the word Word, and here's how it reads. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was both with God and He was God at the same time. And Jesus put on flesh and made His dwelling among us so that we could see Him in His glory as a man. How much clearer can you get? How about the first chapter and the second chapter of the book of Colossians? The whole book of Colossians is written to tell us that Jesus is God with us. First chapter of Colossians, on down verse 14, 15, 16, right in there where it says Jesus is the image. He is the image of the invisible God. And God in, in chapter 2 verse 5 it says, And all the fullness of the deity was caused to dwell in Him. How big is the word all? How big is the word fullness? All the fullness of the deity was caused to dwell in Jesus. So was he part God? Uh, he was all God. Did he have mostly God? No, he was full God. All the fullness of the deity dwelled in a man. Now I want to show you something, passage you've probably never seen. Turn to Romans chapter 9. I want to show you a neat little passage, but keep this in mind. Now I hope some of you are taking notes because you're going to get hit with this because every religious system out there other than biblical Christianity will tell you that Jesus is less than who you say He is. And I hope that you're taking notes on some of this. Romans chapter 9, I want to show you something really cool here. The context here is Paul is talking about Israel being the sovereign choice of God. They were elected. They were predestined. Not people in the year 2006 in Milton. This is not about Calvinism, which is a bunch of junk. It's not about election and predestination. It's about Israel being elected and chosen and predestined. And Paul's making the point in Romans chapter 9, verse 5. Now it'd be nice if the preacher turned there, wouldn't it? See? Romans, here I am, Romans chapter 9, verse 5, he's talking about Israel, and he said, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. Do y'all see that? Give Jesus a hand. <laughs> I mean, does the Bible say that Jesus, somebody said, yeah, but what does it say? And the King James says the very same thing, because <laughs> that's what the Greek says. It's through Israel. They have the patriarchs and they have the word. And also, they trace the human ancestry of Jesus Christ. By the way, Paul says, who is God over all? 
to be forever praised. Who is Jesus? God over all who is to be forever praised. Amen? Amen. So did Jesus claim he was God? Absolutely. That's why he was crucified. Did his disciples know that he claimed it? Absolutely. Did his enemies know that he claimed it? Absolutely. That's why he was crucified. Does the Bible claim that Jesus is God? Emphatically, in several places. Absolutely. Okay, now the question is asked, right when it's time to go eat and beat the Methodists to the buffets, the question is asked, so what? Anybody can claim to be God. You've convinced me that he claimed it. You've convinced me that his enemies knew it. You've convinced me that his disciples knew it. You've convinced me that the Bible says it. But big deal. Anybody can do that. So what if he wasn't God and he knew he wasn't God and he was pulling a trick on everybody? That would make him a liar, wouldn't it? And then you got to ask, well, was Jesus just simply a liar? Well, you got to ask. I don't know. Did he say he would open the eyes of the blind? Y'all can answer. Okay. Did he do it? Did he say he would open the ears of the deaf? Yeah. Did he do it? Yeah. Did he say he would heal the lame? Did he do it? Yeah. Did he say he would raise the dead? Yeah. Did the scriptures and history record that he did it? Did he say that he would go to a cross and pay for our sins? Did he do it? Did he say he'd lay his own life down? Nobody would take it from him. Now that you know the scriptures, did he do it? Yeah. Did he say he would rise from a grave three days later to prove that he was the Christ? Did he do it? Yeah. You see? You see? Was he a liar? Ain't nothing about, he, he's more truthful than I am. More truthful than you too, huh? Oh, y'all as good as Jesus, huh? <laughs> See, you better answer me now when I ask you the questions. <laughs> okay, okay, so he's not a liar. But what if he really thought he was God, but he wasn't? We got lunatics like that running around. Carl, did you call Jesus a lunatic? No, I'm just being rational about this. That man lived 2,000 years ago. Walked the face of the earth, claimed to be God. What if he wasn't? But he just thought he was. We got people like that now. Make him a lunatic, wouldn't it? Let me ask you again. How many lunatics do you know that have opened the eyes of the blind that was recorded for all of history? How many lunatics do you know that have healed the lame, healed the sick, raised the dead? How many lunatics do you know where the people wanted to bring their children to him by the thousands such that the disciples had to say, okay, get your kids away. And Jesus said, no, suffer not the little children to come unto me. Let them come for such is the kingdom of heaven. If you knew of a perverted lunatic that lived in this community, would you take your child and say, oh, please put him on your lap? How many lunatics do you know where the people would go and they would sit at his feet for hours, listen to every word off of his mouth until the point where they had to be fed miraculously by him, and then they would get up and say, even the teachers of the law, our educated ones with the degrees, don't even speak as wisely and as powerfully as this one. No. How many lunatics do you know that would say, I'm going to go to cross and pay for your sin and then do it? You see, he probably... No, not probably. He was and is the most sane person who's ever walked the face of this earth. He wasn't a liar. He certainly wasn't a lunatic. Then there's only one other possibility. He was exactly who he said he was. The Lord of glory. Now, give the Lord a hand. Now, now. Maybe you're saying, okay, you've convinced me he's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. And I want to believe he's a Lord because he said he was God. His disciples knew he said it. The enemies knew he said it. Uh, that's what he was crucified for. The Bible says he's God. I know he's not a liar. I know he's not a lunatic. But how do I know? How do I know he's the Lord? Thank you for asking me that question. You're such easy people to preach to because you ask me such good questions. 
How do I know He was the Lord? Here's how you know. 2,000 religious systems in the world. 1,999 of them basically say you can earn your way to heaven, you can work your way to heaven if there is a heaven to some kind of state of nirvana or whatever. You can get there by being one of us, keeping our rules, our regulations, by doing all the stuff we say. And then there's one little thing off to the side that says, you know, this isn't a religion at all. It's just a relationship with the God who created you. And you don't have to get to Him. He came to you. You don't have to work your way to Him. He put on flesh and worked His way to you. You don't have to uh, uh, sacrifice uh, um, uh, uh, up, up to Him. He made a sacrifice for you. He became the sacrifice. And He went to a cross for you. Muhammad didn't do that. Allah didn't do that. Buddha didn't do that. Confucius didn't do that. Charles Taze Russell didn't do that. Joseph Smith didn't do that. Jesus did that. And He rose from a grave three days later to prove that since He could give His own dead body life, He certainly can give our dead bodies life. And I'm telling you what, folks, until another man does that, goes to a cross and, and, and dies for us in, somebody answer the phone, and <laughs> y'all look at me, until another man goes to the cross, dies for our sin, comes out of a grave alive, I'm going to worship Jesus. Amen? Amen? You can give the Lord a hand. And if somebody else is able to pull all that off, I'll take a look at them, but they better measure up to everything else God's Word says, but that ain't going to happen. So in the meantime, my knee bows to Jesus Christ. That's how I know He's the Lord. I pray that God has used this for you. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that, that today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that you know and understand that Jesus is Lord and that you say, Lord Jesus, please, I give my life to you. For born-again Bible believers, I pray you took a few notes because you're not going to remember all that stuff. Can you remember John 1, 1? Can you remember Colossians? Can you remember Romans 9, 5? Can you say, Brother Carl, you remember it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the preacher. Are you going to remember it tomorrow when somebody hits you between the eyes that Jesus isn't God in the flesh? And you're going to say, up, up, go, go talk to Brother Carl. <laughs> no, no don't, no, don't do that. I pray God has used this to put it systematically and biblically in your mind so that you can speak intelligently to people. Yes, Jesus is God with us. The only living God with us. See, folks, we don't worship a system of rules and regulations and rituals. We don't worship a cult following. We worship only, we worship only the God who created us in a personal relationship with that God who put on flesh and showed himself to us. Isn't that awesome? Y'all bow your heads with me.